Can you imagine sitting in the pub chatting with your mates only to be interrupted by ads? Well, unfortunately, that does happen here at the Homebrew Pub because we're just trying to keep the lights on. However, if you would like to support us directly and get access to ad-free episodes of the Homebrew Pub, please head on over to our Patreon. You can find a link to that on our website, thehomebrewpub.com, and join our mug club. Again, our website, thehomebrewpub.com. I'll see you in the pub after the next couple of ads. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Hello and welcome to another episode of the Homebrew Pub, the only pub in existence where every beer on tap is made by a homebrewer. And on its ethereal plane, the Homebrew Pub will turn into the guest brewer's perfect brew pub. So please come in, grab a stool, and grab a pint. This week, joining me in the brewery, I have Ryan, who is also known as Big Pop beer um hello ryan how is it going andrew thanks for having me absolutely i've got to ask where did big pop come from big pop is my grandpa nickname so i have four kids and i don't like the mima peepa weird nicknames that people give their grandparents so i'm like nope i will be big pop i got a lot of kids and uh i think that's fitting so that's where big pop room came from fair enough i like it yeah, and the logo. There's uh, the four arrows, one for each kid. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I really like that. Mm-hmm. What if you have a fifth kid? Yeah. Then I uh, have to update the logo. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> but if I have a fifth kid, it's not mine. So there's that. Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <But> we, <laughs> we um, obviously this is a famously audio-only um, format, but uh, looking at Ryan's brew pub, it is absolutely amazing i was i was hoping you could like describe what your brew pub looks like sure well the story was when kid number four came along we kind of outgrew our little house and i didn't want to move because it's so expensive and i told my wife i was like look any house that you think you want to go look at it has to have a barn a shed or a third car garage that's detached that i get to turn that into a brewery and she was like all right, so within our budget. <laughs> oh, I lost you. You know, owing to the ethereal plane on which this pub sits, sometimes technology doesn't work for us very well. 
And Ryan was just about to explain how when buying their next house after the fourth child, he had to have a barn or, or a third garage um, so he can create a brewery. So let, let's pick up that. That is uh, exactly right. And so, of course, she got on Zillow, found this, and was like, oh, we got to go. We got to go check it out. I fell in love with the garage right away. The only thing that it doesn't have is a, a floor trench. And she won't let me spend the money to dig that out and get a floor <laughs> trench. So I have an actual drain like a real brewery. But yeah, so um, in short, uh, I built a walk-in chiller. That was my first action. Um, I We use it for everything, so groceries and overflow. Uh, but I've got six taps, uh, a nice big shelf where I can store all of my collections. And if folks bring me beer, I'm st- uh, if I host like a homebrew meeting or whatever, the, there's plenty of options in there. Um, I did install 220 once I once I got here, so the Bruzilla and my big claw hammer uh, on the hot side would have power. And I, dude, I gotta tell you, bumping up to 220 was the biggest like time saver oh, on yeah. brew days ever. It's game changer. Uh, so I won't I won't rant about that anymore. But um, and then yeah, the cold side. Um, two Spike Flex Plus fermenters, um, the SS Brewtech Glycol Chiller, and uh, yeah, a brew built um, 17 gallon, so I can do 10 gallon batches in that too. So it's I'm happy with it. It works. Um, everything is right here, and I can use pumps to move everything around. So um, it's I'm I'm really happy with it. That's awesome. It looks amazing. And just to right, your, thank you. And just to your point about 220, I. I know I've said this before, but like I had a I had a friend come around. He bought his uh, electric system. It was a one ten, and I just wasn't impressed with it. I was like, it's, "This is it's taking just slow. it's yeah. slow." And like by the time we got through the brew day, you know, I was done. My other friend who was brewing with us was done, and we were only just getting to the beginning of the boil. And yeah. so I was anti electric for a long time, and then uh, just talking to other people, two twenty came up, and I was like, "All right, this is this is where we need to go." So yeah, yeah it is. It's totally totally recommended if you're able to put in that two twenty and you know, go electric. And honestly, I, I, I may be wrong on this, but I, I think I'm, I'm right in the claim that you're actually, your power bill is going to be less because the higher, like there's, there's more amps going through it. Mm-hmm. And so you get to a boil faster. It maintains it easier. You can turn your power way down for just a, a rolling boil. Um, so even though it feels like, you're stepping up and your wife might be panicking about your power bill <laughs> it'll it should in theory be less yeah so yeah well it takes less current you're, you're talking to a guy who has like five propane tanks and <laughs> yeah. i have saved so much money not refilling propane yes and I that. yeah and it is because i i'm i'm the guy like i'll like People are dumb. I'm just going to say it. Like When people are throwing out their old grills that are probably fine and just need cleaning, the amount of propane tanks I've seen still attached to them, I'm like, you're going to blow up the truck. So <laughs> I just take them yeah. and then exchange them out for a new one. There you go. That works. Yeah. I like it too. I played that game to start with too. I had the Bayou Burner, mm-hmm. um, but I was tired of running out mid-brew day, and you're stuck. Like There's nothing you can do about nothing it. It's like, well... I guess I get a 20-minute boil today. Let's <laughs> toss in the rest of the hops and hope hope it'll be good with the no-chill. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah. I, I am such a convert and people who've listened yeah. to this this podcast like know that I'll just rave about it now. So um so I gotta ask what what got you into homebrewing? Uh again, I blame my wife. Um uh, we were walking around Target, um and she's like, I don't know what to get you for Christmas. So just freaking pick something. And we're walking through and I saw one of the uh it was a craft of brew brand, uh one gallon Mm-hmm. Brew your own beer kit on an end cap. And I'm like, hey, I like beer. I just toured a local um, craft brewery. And so I was like, oh, you guys like make beer here. It's like a little five barrel system and everything. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, you got to give me that, um, you know, 50 bucks or 60 bucks, however much that beginner kit. It's got DME and ancient hops, yeah, dry yeast. And you're like, okay, whatever, I'll do it. So that Christmas, it's Christmas morning. After all the kids are done with their presents, I'm over there on the stovetop, like, making messes and, and uh, you know, made that beer. Two weeks later, started bottle carbonating it, and I, I drank it, and it was, like, absolutely atrocious. But I don't know if it's, like, the mechanical engineer mind yeah. or ADHD or something in me was, like, lights are on. <laughs> I could fix this. Let's go. And that hobby just sunk in deep. I found uh, Beer and Barbecue Larry. Mm. on youtube binge watched his stuff and so there's a lot of like old school brewing stuff in there so i'm like super confused i'm still in the weeds um much like every other home brewer that i've ever met you just binge watch it you start getting the books you listen to podcasts Mm -hmm. um so that was the beginning of my home brewing journey uh you know start with a plastic bucket and a turkey fryer (laughs) um the big brew in a bag and yeah it is what it is um discovered brewlosophy Oh, they're fantastic. And, um, so uh, Marshall, in one of the experiment things, is like, hey, if you're in one of the following cities, hit me up. I'll connect you to somebody. And it dawned on me that he lives here in Fresno. Oh, wow. Like two streets away from me. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm a home brewer. You're my hero. Like, I got to do one of these experiments. And, uh, and he said yes. And so I was like, uh oh! Now <laughs> I might actually have to give him my beer. My beer is disgusting, and so I, you know, just put a lot of pressure on myself to learn as fast as I could because I didn't want to look like an ass in front of one of my heroes <laughs> in the brewing world. So um, he's a great guy. He was always gracious when my beer was gross. But um, so yeah, uh, that was it. It was just a lot of binge learning, and you know, the hobby just sunk in really, really deep. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, expanding into this, into the garage brewery allowed me to do the set, to use this as my set for my homebrew course. Mm. So now my wife can stop yelling at me for spending so much money on brewing equipment because it's actually <laughs> making some money back. And it's like, all right, all right, this is good, this is good. <laughs> so I can't sell my beer, but I can, I can hawk my knowledge a little bit. That's awesome. So, and so what, what is your homebrew course that you're offering? Yeah, the uh, that again was kind of a uh, a fluke uh, for work. I'm in branding and marketing, and so um, one of the guys that's on our video team, he was over here and he's looking around like, "Man, this is crazy! Like, you should do a course." I'm like, no, nobody's gonna want that. And uh, he's, he talked me into it, so he was gonna do all of the videography and editing. Um, and I'm like, oh, "All right, that, let's, that's let's pretty sweet." So yeah, we, we partnered up and. Uh, in my opinion, it, it like it's amazing quality for videography. That's not thanks to me, but um, 
it, it's exactly that. It's start to finish um, from a one gallon stovetop kit, and that's all free on on YouTube too. Um, go over the basics of ingredients and hops and yeast, and this is how you use it. This is water, and then uh, yeah, it goes up, and it's basically an overview of the top electric systems that are on the market. So, nice. um, Bruzilla, Clawhammer Supply, Spike Solo. Um, Man, there's a couple others that I like. I either begged or borrowed or bought mm -hmm. uh, the systems and did that, and then teach people. So this is you can do it with a plastic fermenter, and that's perfectly fine. Or there's here's the catalyst, the PET. Move up to stainless steel if you want oxygen-free uh, transfers and repeatability. So just basically for seventy-five bucks, my hope is this: if you're a home brewer or you want to get into home brewing, instead of stair-stepping your gear like I did. You get an overview and you can decide that price point. So you're like, okay, I'm going to buy once, cry once, go full electric <laughs> from the beginning. Uh, if I know I want to do oxygen-free transfers for New England IPAs, I better have the right equipment for it. So a plastic bucket's not going to cut it. Yeah. You know, it, like the story for most of us, we buy the first set and got it like two or $300. And you start upgrading your gear and it's like, moving into like five or $600 range. And now you're talking like a couple hundred or a couple thousand for glycol chillers and all of yeah. this and that. And so I just figured I'd give somebody like the warm fuzzy of like everything that I know is in that course, uh, including recipe creation, water, salts, and everything that you'd have to do. Instead of scouring 2000 hours of YouTube, you've got mm -hmm. one concise course. So it's awesome. Um, and I'll be adding to it, right? Cider, seltzer, mead, whatever, whatever's coming down the pipe next. Yeah, um, we'll learn how to brew it and do it. That's so, awesome. It's fun. Because mm -hmm. I know, I know when I started, and I, I wasn't like the biggest adopter of YouTube. Like, I didn't think when I started homebrewing, I didn't think I can go on YouTube and look up homebrewing videos. I was still looking up like the latest movie trailer or, or anything like this. And this is like. Sure. 10 years ago and i think that was kind of when youtube was coming up to be the youtube we now know yeah. and love and so yeah i mean like you i mean exact same story got a one gallon kit didn't even have like the turkey uh the, the yeah. turkey pot like so then I, I i bought this thing for like 25 bucks it was on sale and then i had to go and spend like 100 bucks on like a couple of small pots so i can even just do it yeah and uh yeah, and then, like, as you say, like, you just go up and up and up in equipment. Like, my first, like, five-gallon set, I want to say I spent about 300 on that. 110 of that was the Bayou Classic Pot. And yep. over the years, it's kind of, you feel kind of gross because I'll go into, like, uh, what, like a cabinet downstairs or I'll look in, a, uh, in my basement and I'll find these pieces of equipment that I spent tens to hundreds of dollars on that are now dusty and don't get used yep because i got yep. like the the latest toy but then i don't want to sell them because i they're plastic and they've been getting dusty and god knows if they got like you know scratches so it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah you're just like oh shit how much money did i spend on this my my sin collection is my chillers yeah so there's plate chillers and old immersion chillers mm -hmm. and like 
chillers I use to put in ice buckets to pre-chill chilling water. And it's like, yeah. oh, man, this is so ridiculous. So I, I started giving them away to folks that were getting in the home group. Like, please take this just, away. Just take this copper so and melt it yep. down and make a roof or something. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I literally just ordered myself a new chiller. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you get? Uh, I got the Jaded. Um, oh, cool. Are you, I have the Hydra. Yeah. yeah. No, I got the, the Contra, which is the lower one for five gallons. Oh, maybe that's what I have too. Um, yeah. Yeah, I emailed, I emailed the guy and... Um, oh, my thumb's over the camera. Yeah. yeah that guy. Yeah, but pretty much that, but I think... It's, it's triple coil. Yes. Yeah, and so I emailed the guy because I was like, look, I've got this system, which beer... Or like, which one do you recommend? And he was awesome. He's like, oh, you've got an S40? I assume you're doing 10 gallons. And I'm like, you assume wrong. And yeah. he's like, but if you're doing 5 <laughs> gallons with the occasional 10, then go for the lower seat. So I mm. just ordered that. I'm very excited to get it. Because to be able to, like, chill my beer down in, like, three minutes is going to yes. be huge. And then the next thing I want to get into is, because um, I am currently, I don't use a pump. I need to get a pump so I can do the recirculation mm -hmm. and not use so much water. Uh, definitely, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just, I was playing with a Riptide pump with a system that I was using, a pilot system. Oh, man, those things are powerful and yeah. beautiful and you can adjust them on the front and like oh the new one that came out that makes me happy i can't justify buying one yet because <laughs> i still have two pumps that work perfectly fine so yeah there's that yeah but the the equipment's always there to buy and it's fun and it's beautiful and we make our local <laughs> homebrew shop happy and we're putting their kids through college it is it is <laughs> yeah it's a circular business it yeah. really is no my i mean like you like there, there are things I'm allowed to buy and things I'm not allowed to buy, but my wife is like, in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty cheap what you're doing, and it's pretty much all you do, so it's fine. So. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Mine just kind of gave up. She's like, oh, whatever. I, as long as I get my Disneyland trips. Um, my wife's the same she way. she gets her Disneyland <laughs> trips, uh, I'm allowed to play out here in my brewery. But I, I'm at a point now. I mean, the gear's there. Yeah. Like, 10-gallon batches on the claw hammer. Uh, most of the time. So I got the big, the 10 gallon kegs and then every once in a while I'll do like a, you know, kettle sour. Well, I don't necessarily want 10 gallons of it on hand. Yeah. And yeah, the tap setup is there. So it's mostly just ingredients and replacing CO2 when I need it. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, my, my big, my big thing is ingredients and CO2 and, and nitro. Oh, there you go. See, I really want to add a nitro tap. I have the regulator, just haven't bought in the tank. Yeah. Um, I got to do it. I have it on a portable keg. So one of the, the U kegs mm -hmm. to where I can, I can do it on that. So it's serving, but it's not really the same thing. So yeah, yeah, I'll get there. Yeah. That, that's, I know there's some controversy over nitro because, you know, it suppresses hot flavors and things, but, and I talked about this, I, if I'm doing British ales, it's, I, I don't have a way to do put in a beer engine, so it's kind of like the next best yeah. thing for me. I uh, Actually, the recipe that I'm going to give to the tap room is a porter, Ooh. and it has been on nitro, and so obviously it's not a very hoppy beer. Um, I love, love, love that being served on nitro. I mean, it's just, it's a game changer. It's a whole different beer. It's like yeah. vanilla comes out. So, awesome. yep. 
Oh, well, I'm I'm excited to get to that. But before we do, yeah. I was just wondering, like, so four new brewers, and again, you and <laughs> it's kind of funny. You and I have the exact same story with one gallon kits, and as long as our wives get Disney trips, they're happy. You're in California, <laughs> yep. so it's easier for you. Um, <laughs> it is. But I, you know, I'm going to the D23 conference in September for for her birthday. Very excited. We got our tickets for the Oogie Boogie Bash, which any Disney oh, fans listening, so much fun. yeah, it's amazing. Yep. So very yep, excited yep, yep. for that. You gotta get the commemorative, the 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 Oogie Boogie popcorn holders yep. for the cheaper refills. Like, oh, we know that game. Oh, yep. <laughs> so much fun! We're, we're dressing as Colinelli from Up. Welcome to the Disney Pub Podcast, where we drink beer and talk about Disney. So... There you go. Yeah, yeah. actually, that would that would probably <laughs> I can hold my own on that conversation, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, yep. no, we I, I've been educated a lot. Um. But getting back to beer, um, what is the advice you give to, to new homebrewers that are, that are looking to get into it? I mean, I don't obviously mm. you you have the course, so I don't want you to like spill all the beans. But like, if someone's like, I really want to do this, I, yeah. what what's your advice to them? Uh, keep it simple. Yeah, keep it simple. I'm a huge fan of the brewlosophy approach for the de- the what is it the down and dirties or whatever it is the a lot of the things that we do are steps that were born out of tradition from big brewers, mm-hmm. right? And I've been a commercial brewer, so I've worked on 10 barrel systems, and I know that it's important to do something like a Vorloff or a step mash. Like, there's just, when you're talking about bigger scale, um, hop utilization, all of these things. Homebrew? No. 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 You can make a fantastic beer with a 35, 40 minute mash, keep it simple, keep your ingredient list super simple. Like if you've got more than three or four grains, <laughs> you're, you're barking up trees that like it's imperceptible differences. Yeah. Um, and so, and just be easy on yourself. Like if your beer doesn't taste like this, the last batch that you made, figure out what you did wrong mm-hmm. with your, with your notes. Don't beat yourself up. Because I guarantee you, your neighbor who you're feeding this beer to cannot tell, and they don't care. Um, they're just happy to get free beer. They're so, getting free beer, so they're um, good. Yeah, keep it simple. Like if you're a first-time brewer, do not worry about water chemistry. Please, just go buy bottled water, use an RV filter, make sure it tastes good, and start that way. Do five or six batches, then and only then. Once you're comfortable with the process, start looking at water if you want to. Yeah. If your beer tastes good to you been doing do this 10 years i don't do anything with my water other than camden tablets yep i do i start from ro but it's because it's easy access for me it's right around the corner so yep. the night before i fill the kettle do my salt additions and mill my grain so in the morning i flip a power switch while i'm having coffee it's warming up so yeah it's you just keep it simple so um yeah the curse of knowledge the curse of having unlimited access to YouTube channels that have like very old techniques that they're teaching, mm-hmm. bro. Like I cannot tell you how many people call me or ask me. They're like, I, I didn't get my my sparge water calculations right, and I think I diluted it too much. And I'm like, who cares? What? What? No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. Just check the gravity. Where are you at? Who cares about the recipe? Just no, no, no. You're fine. And, <laughs> so, and, and if you're off, them off like, a ledge because they think they just ruined a batch, like no, you're fine. And if you're off a little bit, 
It's fine. It's not a big <laughs> deal. But they feel that peel pressure of everybody else saying, oh, I hit my numbers on the nose and mm -hmm. everything was perfect. It's like, chill. It's just a homebrew. Relax, have a homebrew. Like, yeah, it. I was going to say, yeah. it's only recently that I've been consistently hitting my numbers. Like, I've always been close to my numbers, um, but it's only recently that I'm, I'm getting like, oh, I'm hitting this number every time now. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, I can't tell you the difference of the taste in beer, like it's imperceptible it's kind yep. of like that little bit of pride thing of like oh shit i got like this bricks but like if you're totally. hitting if you're hitting a bricks of 11 or you're hitting a bricks of like 10.5 i promise you you will not know the mm -hmm. difference you're you're fine yeah that's funny i for like the first few years i would always see that i'm like how are you hitting the numbers because i was doing full volume uh single infusion in brew in a basket so I started right away with the, the claw hammer supply. And so without adding sparge water, where you would add sparge water mm -hmm. to get right to what the recipe is calling your, uh, your pre-boil gravity is supposed to be, I didn't, it didn't like dawn on me, oh, that's how they're hitting their numbers so consistently, <laughs> is because you stop adding water when you get there. And I was yeah. like beating myself up because with that, with a full volume, you're kind of, I mean, you're using software, but if you're, if your uh, brew father or beer smith aren't dialed in perfect to your system, yeah. you're always going to be a little bit off. It could be hot outside. Is it boiling off more than it was before? So it's like all these little variables that I was like, oh, that's how they're <laughs> doing it because my process does not allow me to do that. So close enough is close enough. Yeah, I've dialed it in now so my software can predict it like pretty dang close mm -hmm. um but yeah like you said like it, somebody's calling me oh my gravity's way off like what am i doing like how way off they're like it's 1054 instead of 1051 and i don't know what to do and it's like you no, you're good throw your yeast <laughs> yeah. in figure it'll probably over attenuate <laughs> you'll be okay <laughs> yeah. so yeah, yeah that my advice is always just keep it simple come hang out watch a brew day yeah We'll talk through it if you want to, but you'll see, just like keep it simple. So I, I love yeah. that because, you know, I think there's also this tendency when a lot of people get into home brewing. Like, I love your, I love the thing about don't use more than three grains, three, four at the most, because again, you're not on a commercial system. You don't have the same like pressures yeah. that they do. But also on, on the flip side is, if you're trying to make, to me, two very difficult beer styles to make and make well is lager and New England IPAs for totally different okay. reasons. Lager... Lager's, lager's a big category, brother. It <laughs> like is a big category. Like that's a style, but lager, there's a lot of... There's a lot, but if but, you're talking yeah. Pilsner, you're talking, you know, you know, the very light lagers, like... You get your Kolsch's. Your Kolsch's. Yeah you're not going to have anywhere for off flavors to hide. So really <laughs> know what you're doing before you get into lagering, even if you're doing pressure fermentation. The other yeah. one, New England IPAs, unless you're able to do a full oxygenless transfer, like the risks you've got just like... Don't even try. Don't, don't even try. <laughs> there comes a point that I'm a big believer in. Um, there are certain beers I will not try and clone because it's like it'll be mm -hmm. easier just for me to go to the the liquor store and pick up 
a six pack of it. Um, yeah. And you know, New, uh, New England IPAs. I've made one. It came out brown, and it was watery, and it cost me over a hundred dollars. And I'm like, why would I bother doing this again? That's a lot of hops. It's yeah. a lot of hops. So yeah, I I love your like just keep it simple. And honestly, to kind yeah. of piggyback on that, keep it cheap. Do an American blonde. Yeah. Do a wheat. Do something that, you know, you can, if you screw it up, which you will eventually, you're not yeah. going to be too sad about. All right. So two things. One, it, the, the New England IPA, I totally agree. Like the cost gets exorbitant yep. for the ingredients, right? It just becomes like very, very expensive to make those. And so at a five-gallon batch level, you're talking, what, 36 to 40 16-ounce cans mm -hmm. if you're canning it or one five-gallon keg. Well, you can go buy a keg of it for $100 at your local whatever supplier. And it will be made well. And you don't have to do the work. <laughs> it's going to be made well. The first time it ever sees oxygen is when it's coming out of your tap. So I'm with you on that. I do do them because I can do pressure yeah. uh, or I can do CO2 or oxygen-free transfers. Sorry. Um, but it is they're, – they're a pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, odds are it, it was just oxygenation from when you were adding the dry hops. Yeah. Like, that's all there is to it. So uh, one thing to try if you're new to New England IPAs is do all of the dry hopping before fermentation is over, which you're not oh. following the rules. But um, they're like, oh, add two ounces at five days, add two ounces at three days, add one ounces of, like, no, you've hit saturation levels so far before all of the, the hop utilization, like, yeah. you're saturating that beer anyway, add them all, let it go for the last three days of fermentation so it can scrub that oxygen, so just, it works for me, Yeah, that's all. Um, I'm, I'm sure somebody out there is like, no, that's impossible, it doesn't work out, like, no, no, you can't tell the difference for that hop schedule. Um, but for the loggers, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The, my confession is this. I was just writing an article on spunding valves mm. and how to use them. And uh, I made a Mexican lager, so a Mexican-style lager. So you've got some flaked corn in there. And I didn't set my temperature gauge on the fermenter to ferment at lager temps. I yep. used Imperial Harvest, and my regulator was set to 68. So it fermented at 68, and it was done in three freaking days. Nice. And I was like, oh, no, I ruined it. I, 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 I let it ride because I was taking pictures of it for yeah. this article, and um, it's delicious. Yeah. It's, it's freaking delicious, and I brewed it at ale, or I fermented it at ale temps. Mm -hmm. And so if anything, like, that should give somebody a warm fuzzy that you really can keep it simple. It's a lot fruitier than... I expected it to be. Yeah. And that's normal. That's a normal reaction. But it's definitely not like a dumper. No. So let it ride. Yeah. Freaking do it. It, it becomes <laughs> yeah. a steam beer at that point. And that is totally a style. A steam beer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and I like it. And I, I love that because, I mean, and I don't want to ever put anyone off making beer styles. But it's the, unless you can really control your temperatures and all of that fun stuff. Yeah, lagers, I didn't mess with them for years. It's like, 
Mm. I like a good lager, but again, I can just go down <laughs> to the liquor store, get a very yeah. well-made lager. There's a brewery here called Upslope. Their lager is phenomenal. That's what I drink. I like it. Yeah. Um, I stopped fearing lagers, but I totally understand that too. Yeah. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, pressure that people put on like perfect temperature control. Yeah. Um, rightfully so. If you want repeatability, that's a hundred percent key. But if you're just trying to play with the style and try it, just try it. Just try it. Do your best. That's good. Yeah. I mean, as I say, I do. I, I now do exclusively pressure fermentation, so I'm doing a lot more lagers. But you're really, nice. you know, I think if you pressure ferment a lager, it should have a different name just based on what the word lager means. So... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, storage or yeah. Uh, I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. So what are you doing for pressure ferment? Are you capping it at certain Play-Doh or are you doing spunding or what? I do spunding. So what I do is Good. I put it in the put it in the pressure fermenter. Um, it has an ambient temperature of probably about 65 to 66 depending on where I'm depending mm -hmm. where it is. I blast it with CO2 and then I just release the pressure until it's 12 psi and then I just let it yeah. ride. Perfect. It's, Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and it comes out keg ready. Come, yeah. Uh, it's it saves it saves days for carbonating. I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. I'm a fan. I I'm fan still using a blow tie, so it has the analog readout, and I don't think it's right on the nose. And so I've really been eyeballing the new. Uh, I think it's SS Brewtech has that big fancy one that it, you can dial it down to yeah. exact pressure. It's a bubbler. Um, those just look macho, and so I kind of want one out here. So <laughs> I'm apt to do that. I've also seen the digital gauges, which are impressive. Mm -hmm. um, I just haven't sprung for one yet, so we'll yeah. see. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. our toys get very expensive very, very quickly, unfortunately. They do. I mean, yep. like, I, I one of my favorite toys is a tilt hydrometer, um, which I love. And in the grand mm -hmm. scheme of things, the hundred and forty bucks isn't like killing me. But as I, but I could have just, I've got a perfectly good glass hydrometer that I got ten years ago that still works. But no, I need to have an app. Right. <laughs> I I love the tilt hydrometers. Um, I have found, especially with stuff that I have to heavily dry hop. The mm -hmm. top gets like trube and hot matter on there, so it's always like a, a few degrees off. So I can never trust the reading, yeah. But I can always trust the consistency. Like this hasn't changed uh, gravity in two days, mm -hmm. so I know it's ready. So that warm fuzzy and temperature control, yeah, makes me happy. So I hadn't thought about yeah. the true affecting the readout. Mm -hmm. I've noticed, like if I, if you go back and just check it, like. Maybe mine are just miscalibrated. I'm I'm trying to calibrate them in water, but um, if you if you just leave it, it'll be like 1008, and it's because there's a little bit of tube on the top edge that's above the liquid, mm -hmm. and it's it's skewing it just a little bit. So I mean, you could shake your fermenter and kind of wash that off, but um, I've just learned like okay, I'm just looking for consistency three days in a row, no no change or dips or anything, and so. That Google Docs is really fun. Yeah, to to have. Yeah, 
And it gives you Instagram fodder so you can post all about it and be as nerdy as you get. <laughs> so, look at me. <laughs> I, I have an app and a Google Sheet. So what I'm learning is homebrewers <laughs> are just nerds. <laughs> we are nerds. We, we are, are nerds. very much nerds. Yes. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny being like in some of the Facebook groups and things and just seeing what people post. And I'll show it to my wife and she's just like, I don't care. <laughs> but then yep. she's showing me what people are posting in her Disney group. So, you know, fair is fair. Fair is fair. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, you've already given us uh, a hint as to, well, you pretty much told us, what you're going to be adding to the tap list. So tell us about this porter. I love this beer. So I'm pretty sure this was originally a recipe that came from one of the more beer kits. Um, and uh, I, I couldn't even tell you which one. It's probably, um, oh man, it's going to drive me nuts now. Anyway, I started it just from a, a more beer kit, and I kind of refined the recipe over time. I changed the hops a little bit. I changed the um, the yeast that it uses, but essentially this is like a mostly 80% uh, two-row. There's caramel malt, uh, Munich two, and chocolate malt. Oh, nice. And I'm really, really proud of this recipe. So I, n- I named each of my house beers are named after my kids. So I've got Bubba's Porter. That's this one. Lulu's IPA, uh, Rooney's Red, and Beppy's Brown. So those are the ones that I always have on tap. Yeah. Or I try to always have on tap. So this is Bubba's Porter. Um, it's very lightly hopped. So uh, just for a five-gallon batch, it's one ounce of Columbus and two ounces of Cascade. The, here's kind of the variable. I either use uh, Imperial A07, so uh, house this is where you get to choose. You've got Imperial AO7, or I guess my secret weapon for this is uh, San Diego Super Yeast. So it's, uh, I absolutely love it. Um, I don't yeah, know that Ferment it warm. Oh, you got to look it up. Yep. It's, uh, uh, yeah, San Diego Super Yeast. You just got to Google it. It's its own thing. It makes like really fruity esters on, on an ale. Uh, you can ferment this super warm, 68, 70, you're totally fine. And uh, it's just, it's chocolatey, it's velvety, high OG, um, or high gravity, and I absolutely love having it on tap. Even in the summertime, I'll drink on it. Nice. And, and yeah. You, and you say you so ferment it warm and all of that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, it's about as straightforward as it gets for brew day. It's super clean. You can see all of your messes on the floor because it's obviously like dark. It's black. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's a winner. Yeah. She's a winner. I look forward to, to hearing what people say about it when it when it goes up. That's awesome. Well, as always, Ryan has um, shared the recipe, so we'll be putting that in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, please do brew and drink along with us. And if you make it, let us know. 
put it on Instagram, email, all of that. We'll we'll post it out. Yeah, tag me. I'll share it back. Yeah, at Big Pop Brewing. That's awesome. I like it. And so then, you know, moving away from the portal sounds amazing. <laughs> you know, you know, the, you know the question. Yeah. Worst beer. What what was mm. what was what was the you are not getting named after a child beer. Not getting named after a child beer. So I've messed up quite a few batches over the past eight years of brewing. Um, most notably was my first attempts at traditional souring. So yeah. this was before we had Philly sour yeast that like kind of works its way out before I understood kettle souring. Um, I, I and mean, this was an accidental sour too. So mind you, I was not <laughs> trying to do a sour. Um, so it was infected. I made a, I made a stout. Uh, it was, it, and for some reason, and I love porters. I, we just got over me talking about my porter. Um, I made a stout. It was a, I think, a clone of like an old Rasputin or something. So super high gravity, maybe like eight, ten percent. I, I hardly remember it, but I decided I wanted to try aging it, and so I kept it in a keg. So it's uncarbonated. Kept it in a keg in a spare bathroom in our old house. And every once in a while, I would go put like one of those little CO2, uh, little mini cartridges and like just top it off to make sure that the <laughs> lid was sealed. Well, I went and did that. I added CO2 and I purged the keg because I was going to refill it with CO2. And I just got a whiff of socks and death. And it was the worst thing in the world. And so to this day, and obviously, I, I opened it up and took a sample, and I was like, "Oh, this is murder!" Do that, that like ruined homebrewed stouts for me. So anybody that's like, "Oh, I made this amazing like Guinness clone. It's on nitro," and I'm like, "Do I have to try it? Are you sure?" So uh, it I I ruined that style for myself. I'll, I'll love a stout all day long if somebody else brewed it, but I I shy away from it. <laughs> like I still have PTSD from that stupid beer. But yeah, even dumping it, like I could tell there was a big old pellicle across the top. Oh, so I don't know no. when I infected it. Fortunately, it was like a janky keg, and I was completely comfortable just throwing the whole thing away. I was like, nope, nope. not going to make it back into my brewing. <laughs> so keg is gone. Lost 50 bucks yeah. um, in ingredients, and it is what it is. So um, I, I nicknamed it Sally Rotten Crotch. But I don't know if that's uh, <laughs> it doesn't have any meaning other than that's just a funny expression. But I, I, as soon as I smelled it, I was like, nope, 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 nope this nope, is nope. bad. <laughs> don't drink it. So, yeah, yeah. worst beer ever. Uh, yeah, no, I. I'm that being. Uh, so I, I'm, I sorry, I cut you off. No, I, that style is one that I won't brew. In general, I do not like Rauch beers. I've tried yeah. smoked beers that the, the peated. I can't, I can't get behind it. Yeah, I know that there's guys out there that are doing their best and and like they're making good ones, but I've yet to try a Rauch beer that I'm like, oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. I want more of this. It's like, nope. Somebody put their cigar out in your beer. See, I think I I, I think that Rauch beers are going to be 2022's brute IPAs. I think everyone's oh, going to be like, oh, go. all about Rauch, and then. They're just gonna die out because only 
you know, in brewed IPA, I love brewed IPAs. I, I've made a brewed IPA. And oh, yeah. That. But, you know, everyone had one, went, it's interesting. And then other than, like, us hardcore beer nerds, no one else was ordering them. So, like, this is way too much time and money for, yeah. like, no return. I think Rauch beer are going to be the same way that the general populace of beer drinkers are not going to be drinking it outside of hardcore yep. beer nerds. I hear you. I hear you. So, um, I hopefully that's right because it's not good. <laughs> well, yeah. isn't it like, you know, because you talk about Rauch beers, I didn't think they were supposed to be peaty. I mean, I know you like you get the smoke, but you know, like I love mm-hmm. a good peaty single malt, but I don't want that in my beer. Right. So yeah, my beer should not taste like my Laphroaig. Um there's different ways of going about it, right? I've also seen people put literal liquid smoke drops into a normal X style. And it's like, no, come on. Yeah. That tastes like chemicals. Like, don't do that. It is. It's it's the the malts, and they were deliberately exposed to smoke so that that passes through. What my mind goes to when I taste it is, oh, I got a bunch of hops clogged into my electric element, and they just sat there <laughs> and cooked for half an hour, and I spoiled my batch. Or like that one time you forget to put the bag or the basket into your kettle and you dump all of your grains in and you're like, well, I guess I'm filtering this for the next 25 <laughs> hours um, and something scorches on your element. Um, yeah. it, it, that's, it just, it, what, what my brain tells me is something went wrong mm-hmm. in brew day and you didn't dump it. That's what raw career tastes like to me. Fair so, enough. But more power to you if you're into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Drink what you want. I guess there's not going to be any Rauch beer at your uh, Perfect Dream brew pub. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? Well, that kind of money talks, right? Yeah. Like, how many are you seeing on the shelves at BevMo? No. Nope. So, it's it's going to take care of itself. I, I yeah. As I say, I, I think it's going to be the brew IPA. Mm. That being said, if you want to win a competition and get a gold medal so you can post that online... Submit a rock beer because nobody else is doing it, and you'll be the only one that they get to pick. So, automatic gold medal. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually very excited. I've got my. It's not a rock beer. It's an American Blonde, and I'm doing it for a competition. I took a sneak taste today. It's tasting great. So, um, outstanding. Gonna be kegging that hopefully in a couple of days this weekend. Um, and I'm so I normally blast all of my beers with like CO2 overnight and call it good uh at like 25 psi i'm doing a slow carb on this one because i say i am trying to make sure everything about it is perfect so it is at nothing more than 12 psi for two weeks let all the settling happen and then i tap it yeah so i get that yeah i respect that yeah i'm usually yeah same thing i'll do the overnight burst carbonate i i go full send i'm like 40 psi Oh, for wow. 12 hours and then drop it to 12 your kegs can take it yeah Just let her rip yeah yeah i'm also lazy so it'll be like the night before i have like five or five or more guys coming over i'm like oh i gotta carbonate this beer <laughs> so it's like from nine at night to 9 a.m the next day it's sitting on 45 psi yeah. and then i drop it to 12 for nice. the afternoon let it let it rest and and, so. and, and, it, and it works do you ever use um it does did you ever use a quick carb? Um, 
No, I do have a carb stone that can go on the inside dip tube of a keg, mm -hmm. but I stopped using it just because I was always paranoid that I was either going to infect the beer or do something like, I don't know. When I was on a 10 barrel system, um, obviously we use carb stones to do that. And you kind of, you roll the CO2 through, mm -hmm. but just at the homebrew scale, that feels like so it's... much more work, so many more chances for error or infection or yep. anything like that i'm like no just keep it simple yep. it's time time and pressure so well and yeah because i i have one i haven't used again equipment that i spent a lot of money on and then like eh. um <laughs> yeah. well the reason i stopped using it is like one of the tubings got a leak in it and it, it would be like a five dollar thing to fix and i'm just like nah because the other thing with yeah. it as well is you're running it through the quick carb. Yes, it's carbonated, but then it's warm. So you still can't drink it and get like what you're after until you've had it chilled down. <laughs> so you might as well just blast oh, it in I the fridge. I used it cold. Yeah. Yeah, I used it cold though. Ah, okay. So like I would chill it in a keg. Um, I also because I can cold crash in the fermenter. Yeah. Everything that I do before packaging is is that. So if I'm not pressure fermenting. Um, I suppose I could carbonate in the kegs, but the seals on fermenters are not as good as the seal on a on a keg. keg. Yeah. So I don't do that. I always transfer before and then just force carb, um, unless I'm spunding. But yeah, no the the quick carb. It's a fun toy, but the only time that I really want to use it is when they leak like hell. Sorry, Blickman. I love you guys, but those things like chasing leaks the whole time. Yeah. Um, the but two uh the only reason i would really use it is if i did i had people coming over that night i need to carbonate it instantly i don't want to over carbonate it by doing the rocking thing yeah. um that's that's when i'll pull it out so i feel comfortable that i have one and i can use it if i need to but uh, yeah it set up clean up chasing leaks tear down infections blah 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 nah. yeah not not, not the my, rest not my thing yeah yeah well so, as as we know that Rauch beers are not going to be in your dream, brew pub. I do, I'm, and I'm going to make an assumption, because I make this assumption of everyone who has, like, their beer logo made and everything. I'm assuming your dream brew pub <laughs> is Big Pop Beer, or Big Pop Brewing. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, the brew course is Home Brewer Pro. Um, we kind of just came up with that name so that it wasn't just the same thing, Big Pop Brewing, and confusing people, so... Homebrew Pro is its own thing, um, and it lives it lives out there in yeah. the ether, and you know makes a few bucks every once in a while. But yeah, if if I do end up doing that, the one thing is I've also gotten into distilling a lot, so mm. it may be big pop brewing and distilling once we can finally figure out how to make it legal. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, my local area right now, I've got so many fantastic breweries um, within a five-mile radius of me. I don't want to compete with them. Yeah. If anything, I would do like collaborations or things like that. But um, I've been a professional brewer. I do brew consulting. So I get to use this knowledge and, and love of the craft all the time. I don't really have an urge to start my own brewery uh, production size. It just... Fair enough. Um, I, I've I've done it. I do brew consulting. Uh, it just so 
I'm I'm there. That hence the name Homebrewer Pro, where it's like I'm a homebrewer, but I still make money on it. So why not? Yeah, it's semi-professional. Fair enough. Fair. I think you're the first one to not yeah. open a brewery on this ethereal plane. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I a lot of homebrewers. Um, I I I've done that. I didn't open my own, but I went and I was the brewer for a, a brewery that had a 10-barrel system. They need fermenters filled. I went and just figured it out. Um, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Home brewers do not realize how much work it actually is. It's hot. It's sticky. There's timelines. There's deadlines. Instead of $50 of ingredients with grains and yeast, you're talking like for a 10-barrel batch, I don't know, like $2,000 for the grains and the yeast and shipping and all of the yeah. logistics and, oh, this died in transit or, oh, the, these are the wrong kind of grains and, like, you throw off your production schedule and now the bosses are looking at you like, why are the taps empty? And it's a big freaking deal. That's a lot of pressure that I don't want. I want to continue the love of the craft in my own mind without breaking it. So, um, I don't know. I've kind of I've seen behind the curtain, and I'm like, ah, it sounds great, but it's not for me. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree. I I don't like outside of this this make believe that I that I have to open <laughs> to open a real brew pub. You know, I I have this thing of you know, don't work in your hobby, or mm. like do like work for your passion yeah. because. You don't have anywhere to go if you've got a bad day. Like, I, yeah. I have a bad day at work. Fine, I'm going to sit outside. I'm going to brew a beer, and that that's my form of self-care. If I have a bad day at my We're brewery, good. what am I going to do for my, like, you know, create a spreadsheet? It's on you. Or, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, call your mom and cry to her. Yeah. No, I... Uh, oh, she would love that. I, you're right. <laughs> And right, another thing is that people don't realize that running that business is is it, the vast majority of the work goes into maintaining the business. It's not brewing. No, it's marketing. It's HR. It's getting people to actually show up to work to run the taps. It's payroll. It's all of the things that, as a home brewer, we don't deal with that stuff. Yeah. And so, as soon as you're in that role, you're like, oh crap, I have to do sales. I have to go out and like pitch and bring kegs with me and convince restaurants to carry my beer. Like, uh, it's it's more than folks realize they're trying to bite off. Yeah, <laughs> and then you know, <laughs> hopefully it's not too late once they realize it. And for some folks, that's fine. Hey, yeah. cool. I want to run a small business. Like, do you, man? Um, it that was not for me. That Fair was not enough. for me. Fair enough. Yep. Well. Then, as we sit in this ethereal plane of a homebrew pub, it looks like both of our basements. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. much. It yep. works. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, this was absolutely awesome. Where can people find you on the socials? Where the, can they find the course? All of that fun stuff. Yeah, I've had a blast. Um... I know it's cool to find a fellow person whose wife is Disney cursed. So <laughs> that works out. Yeah. <clears throat> um, my course is at homebrewerpro.com. If you're listening to this uh, podcast, you likely do not need the course. It, it starts very basic. It does go all the way through um, 
oxygen-free transfers, equipment guides, and all of that stuff. So, I mean, if you're trying to upgrade your gear, maybe it's worth it. You can just find me on Instagram and ask whatever questions you want. So I'm at Big Pop Brewing pretty much solely on Instagram. Um, can't stand Facebook anymore. So even if you find me there, I'm, I won't see <laughs> you. You're not on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Instagram is it. So uh, Big Pop Brewing. Uh, I do have that YouTube channel that I plan on one day start uploading more and more videos, but time is limited, so I have not. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the first half of, or the first, the basic version of the course, all the way through a one gallon stovetop kit, is on YouTube for free. So you'll see the quality of the videos, the, you know, my style, and if that's something you want, then that's it. So. Yeah, I appreciate you taking time to hang out with me. This has been great. No, absolutely. Well, th- th- thank you for coming on. This has been awesome. And I should yeah. say, your stickers will be in the mail by this weekend. Ah, I've been looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the worst with stickers. So. No worries at all. Huge thank you to Ryan for coming on. Please go and check out Big Pop Brewing on Instagram. And if his course is of interest to you, do check it out. He has the free videos uh, for the one gallons on YouTube, which will give you a really good taste of what the course is. And I'll be putting a link to that in the show notes. And of course, thank you so much for listening. If you could leave us a five-star review wherever it is you get your podcast, that'll just help other people find the show. If you want to reach out to us, possibly come Come on and share a pint with me. You can reach us at our website, thehomebrewpub.com, or email landlord at thehomebrewpub.com, or on social at thehomebrewpub on Instagram and Twitter. And if, like me, you hate those annoying ads, well, we've got to keep the lights on here at the Homebrew Pub somehow. So consider joining our Patreon and becoming a Mug Club member. For $3 a month, you'll get access to ad-free versions of the episodes. But until then, grab your favorite pint, put your feet up, relax, don't worry, and have a homebrew. Till next time, cheers. Cheers.